0: How is it that innovative software solutions have the ability to change the world and improve our lives, yet they don't sell themselves? How is it that I know my target market, but I'm not able to generate enough qualified sales opportunities? How do I even get started to create visibility for my brand across channels when I'm not an expert at marketing? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Welcome to Simplified, Software marketing made simple. Hey, everyone. This is Liz from Media Dev, and today I am joined by Bernadette Wilson, who is an ISV content writer for the DevPro Journal and expert at content writing for software vendors. Hi, Bernadette. How are you today? Hi, um, I'm great. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. And today's topic for you today is how to create B2B software content that's fun. Is it even possible? <laughs> So (laughs) um, I love this topic, Bernadette, because so many people consider that marketing content, you know, when it comes to B2B software solutions is boring, it's dry. So can you tell me why that is so often the case?
1: I think there could be a few reasons. Um, First, I think that software vendors um, tend to focus on their technology when they write. And they have great technology and they want to share information about that. And that's important. However, for, um, the reader, they're probably more interested in how it solves their problems or, um, it, how, how they can use it to advance their businesses or, uh, even, you know, be a hero, if, you know, come up with that way to, to make m- m- more money using the software. So, um, I think that writing to the audience can make it a little more exciting, even for the writer, Um, instead of just repeating the speeds and and feeds and, you know, the basic technology things that people write about. It's it's more interesting to show how it can work in the real world and um, solve people's problems. Uh, Another reason is people who write for software companies tend to basically write the same things over and over. I don't mean exactly the same topic, but they're writing about how a particular software works over and over or what a particular software does over and over. And at some point it just becomes repetitive and that's where it can get dry. The the creativity kind of vanishes and you're basically just writing, you know, repeating and cranking things out. And that, that can make it boring for the reader. It may be the hundredth time that a writer's written about it, but it may be the first time that that reader is reading about it. So it's important to do everything you can to keep that writing fresh. Another reason is that writing for a software company is a very collaborative process, and it needs to be, and that can produce great results. But sometimes uh, the collaborators want to keep things very controlled. Um, People who review the writing um, will refer constantly back to the style guide and kind of keep the writer in a box. And um, so the writer tends to um, always produce things that they know are safe. They won't take any chances, use different vocabulary, try something new, because they want the product to be something that the, the person ultimately reviewing, whether that's the CMO or the CEO or the company, will accept. So I think it's important to give writers some latitude with what they can do, you know, that try and fail kind of philosophy. Give them some freedom and um, they may produce something great, but it might not be something that's in the style guide.
0: Mm. That's a really great point. I uh, especially love what you said about, you know, this may not be the first time you know that they've written about this topic, but it may be the first time that the reader has read about the topic. I think it's really important to keep that in mind. Definitely agree with you on that. So how can B2B software marketers create more valuable content to engage their audience? And how can you make content in this space fun?
1: Well, um, as far as engaging the audience, it goes back to what I said before. You need to write to them that the content can't be about you. It can't be just about your business. It has to be about your audience. So if you know um, the typical persona that you want to grab the attention of in your target audience, um, that's who you should be writing for. And that's who you should be trying to engage. Um, I, I have a trick. I learned it a long time ago. I actually have a picture from a magazine cover. It, it reminds me of someone I met at a trade show that is just, a, you know, the quintessential um, it's actually a VAR from a, an ISV's um, channel. And he, I remember speaking with him and um, just the kind of person, knowing the kind of person he was, how he talks, mm. things he's interested in. If you can write to that person, you're going to have a better chance of engaging them with content than if you just write for the general population. Um, as far as making it fun, um Again, it kind of goes back to those things I said before. You need to you need to give yourself a little bit of freedom. I joke with people when they ask what I do for a living. You know, when I'm at a I, luckily, fortunately, back in person at events now, <laughs> talking to people. And um, when I say I'm a writer, I think they imme- immediately picture me with you know the the jacket with the patches on the pockets, right, you know, <laughs> sitting in New England somewhere, <laughs> being inspired but I, I tell them, no, I'm, I'm a working writer. <laughs> like I, I work every day. I write every day, but that tends to, um, to conflict. With, it's in conflict with that idea of the creative writer, mm-hmm. but you have to, you still have to let some of those creative impulses come out once in a while. Um, if you find an interesting word or a turn of phrase, see if you can work it into your next blog, you know, uh, use it on social media. Um, Try try new types of content. That's something else that we we tend to get into um, with our assignments. We know that we do social once a week, and we do blogs. We do two blogs a week, and or, or whatever your cadence is. Um, but you once in a while throw in uh, content for an infographic or a, a short piece that you enhance with a little piece of video. Um, It'll, it'll help to make um, make things a little more fun. Um, back to collaboration, <laughs> it's much more fun if you can work with people that build build you up rather than
0: mm.
1: kind of uh, put pressure on you to do things a certain way. And again, we need to we need to work within the, the guardrails, right? We need to stay um, we need to stay on point. We need to st- uh, stay within brand guidelines. All those things are important. But it's it is important to uh, to have that freedom to try things and um, be a little
0: creative from time to time. Yeah, I love that. I always say you have to avoid the marketing blah blah, which are those mm-hmm. you know nice, very vague <laughs> phrases that don't mean anything to anybody. So, I love the tips that you've just cited. Uh, just now, so that's great. Thank you. Um, what types or formats of content do you think are the best as they relate to B two B software? I mean, you mentioned infographics and blogs. You know, there are other types of formats that you think are are really critical to have as a B two B software vendor.
1: Case studies are gold. If mm. you can get one of your users to talk about using your solution in the real world how it solved their problems and the results that they get. That is is great. Storytelling is very effective. The person reading that who has a similar business will immediately understand um, why it's important, what the value is and um, giving that proof you know those numbers might not be representative of everyone in your user base you know that they increased efficiency or they increased revenue or they decreased costs but for that one person it worked and and so the reader would say you know i i could do something similar that could have value to me as well um so that that's great the problem with case studies though is that you need to convince somebody to participate so um because it is an investment in time um, they may have to take the, the finished product, maybe, and run it through legal to make sure they're not saying anything they can't say. Um, so there's a, a time element involved. But you, you can find people that will participate, um, and it's possible to incentivize them as well. It could be something as simple as a backlink. Um, I just did one recently where the, um, the company was willing to put a backlink to the user's investment page. So that was a big incentive Mm -hmm. for them to have that in there. We had also joked with someone else, and I'm not sure they were joking. I think they were serious. They were giving gift cards for people that would participate. So it's it's possible to incentivize people to, um, you know, give you the gift of their time and talk through this and, and work through the content with you. The other thing that's great about a case study is it's one of those pieces of content that you can use over and over. You can cite it in a blog, build a blog around it. You can, um, if you uh, record the interview that you do with the person, you could use it as part of a podcast or, um, insert it into a blog with some audio. Um, you can certainly make a video if the person's willing to, um, be recorded. So that one story can get a lot of, can give you a lot of mileage and, um, it, they can also they're also very effective. Um, another idea that is really um, it's convenient for software developers and it's also effective is to maybe analyze data if you have that capability, you know, not anything that would um, violate someone's privacy, but just general user data and show, if you can show other people in the market how they're using it and the impact that they're having with your software, um, just write. It's basically a little research report or a study. Um, and. That's also something that will get the attention when you submit to magazines, if you can if you can show that. You know, you've done some research and, and then these are the numbers that numbers seem to be a big. Mm-hmm. when you submit so you know when you have proof of how something works Um, that's also great um, fodder for an infographic when you can have the numbers do the the graphical representations the visualizations of that data and then that's great to use on social media in your newsletters really anywhere um, because infographics will capture people's attention
0: Absolutely. I love that. And for us, when we do content promotion and you know demand generation or lead generation activities, and we're using content to help support those activities, we find very often that those two pieces of content, so case studies and infographics that you just mentioned, those are the two that are the most um, you know uh, demanded by our audiences all the time. Mm-hmm. So definitely agree with you on, on those points. So I know this may sound kind of obvious, but you know, for some people at least, you know, why do you think having good content is so important?
1: Well, I, I looked up a stat. I mean, I, I know I throw this around, but I, I wanted to you know have the proof to back myself up. It's from Google research and a couple of years ago, they did a study that found 58% of B2B manufacturing purchasers, and this was a particular group, They start with online research before they follow up with a company. So that I think that study was about three years ago. So and I doubt that the trend is losing steam. It's easy to understand why it's efficient. If you're a purchaser, a buyer, if you can go online and look at everybody that comes up in your keyword search for, you know, a particular kind of software and you find them and you look at their websites and you look at the description of the product or other information that they may have like their case studies or a, a demo, um, that helps them work more efficiently. They're not going to take a meeting or ask for a meeting with every single one of those companies. They're going to say, this one works for me, this one may, or this one definitely doesn't. So they can do their job more efficiently, more quickly, kind of vet businesses a little more um, easily. But what that means for you is if your content on your website isn't, <laughs> up to par.
0: Sure. If it doesn't
1: make an impression, if you aren't clear in what you do, if you can't capture the buyer's attention, you're not going to get that request for a call or a meeting. So um, it's very important to um, have good content that um, it not only talks about your product, it also talks about the problems it solves. It um, it helps to give a buyer a little bit of a glimpse into your company culture the kind of people you are because that's important to people they want to work with people that they feel like it would be a, a pleasant relationship to have and um it's also important to give them calls to action you know what what can i do next where can i get more information um so it's it's become an element of competitiveness you know how well you portray your business online how well you convey information capture a buyer's attention is ultimately going to make you more competitive, you're going to be able to um, get more meetings um, and hopefully close more sales.
0: Absolutely. I uh, absolutely agree with everything that you just said. Um, So are there trends that you've observed recently about content marketing for B2B software vendors that are noteworthy? I mean, you kind of just mentioned, I mean, I do agree with you that the, buyers in general are, you know, they've never been more informed and they never have had more access to information than before. But are there other trends that you think that you've observed that are really important in this space?
1: Um, I, I have. I One of the things is what we're doing right now, <laughs> participating in a podcast. Um, the reason that 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 I think is so important for a, a software development company is that you may not have the the time or even the ability to launch your own podcast but you can participate in others Um, you could find somebody that is um, focused on the same audience you are you know to provide them with information and see if you can be a guest or have um, some of your information discussed on that podcast the reason that that's important is you know just kind of what we talked about before you don't want to limit Um, your visibility just to a web search. Um, You wanna get your name out there even further, you expand your footprint. So if you can um, get your brand in front of everybody that that podcast will reach, you've definitely elevated uh, the number of people that that will know about your business. Um, And it's also a different type of content that you can can use um, on social media, you can share links, um, again, people might, um, might be interested in that when they wouldn't really get to know your business any other way. So um, I think that that's a trend, it's just really trying to expand the digital footprint that, that you have. Um, and another trend is uh, live broadcasting. LinkedIn Live just uh, began, I think a few months ago, um, where you, you don't have to pre-record a video, you can actually just go on LinkedIn and um, share information and um it's it's getting some really good results. Um, I looked up their um, statistics for it for the same company when they do a LinkedIn live, they get twenty four times more comments and seven times more reactions than other types of posts that they do on LinkedIn. So again, oh, you're wow. yeah, you're reaching more people and um just kind of offering up something that's a little different that's that's probably another point people are realizing that one size doesn't fit all you know mm. some people will search and read a blog some people will search and do um you click on a demo if you have a video demo um some people like live um presentations some people like podcasts they listen to them on their way to work or you know so that it's important to um, Use everything that you can to get your brand in front of your target audience.
0: Oh, yes, that is definitely true. So before we actually um, started our podcast, we were talking just a little bit about ISV OEM content. So I was looking to see if you could give us your opinion about that. Why do you think it's hard for software vendors to get their head around ISV OEM? Um, I think that, I was, I, as we said
1: before, we started recording. I, as an editor for DevPro Journal, I see a lot of things come through, um, and they really vary. You know, there's such a, a variety. Um, I think that part of it is um, who you have writing. Um, it could be someone in house. It could be it, we were just talking about all the different people that that are generating content. So part of it is, I think, whether that writer has The capability, you know, to understand what they need to do. Um, It's it's also again it goes back to the audience that you're writing for. Um, Do you really have a grasp of what you need to, the tone you need to take, and what you need to say to capture uh, that audience's attention? Um, And that's that's something that takes a while to develop. So if if you're using a new writer or maybe um, a service, it might take them a while. That learning curve might be a little um, longer <laughs> than you would like, but it does take people a while to grasp um, how to write for your audience and how to write about your solution. Um, another thing is if, you're, if you have people in house, um, are you giving them enough time a lot of people who have in-house writers have people who are good at writing, but they also have a full-time job that's not writing. So it um, it does take time to develop um, to develop that voice and how you want to um, present the information. And if you're only doing it maybe a half hour every a couple of days a week, um, it's going to elongate that um, that curve to to proficiency to where you get the kind of content that you'd really like to present. Um, I've also noticed that software developers aren't necessarily writers, you know, they're very creative. (laughs) That's very true. (laughs) You know, they're, they're very good at what they do, but they aren't necessarily comfortable, you know, you know, they had to take the college composition course and that was it, you know, they're just like, that's enough. So um, it does help to collaborate and get other people's feedback, um, you know, to to be able to express what you want to express. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I totally agree. You know, the quality really, you can tell, uh, you know, the difference in quality between somebody who really knows their audience and knows what they're talking about and somebody who may be a junior level person who you know, doesn't really know. I had actually visited a blue chip software company's website not very long ago, and their OEM page literally said, what is OEM? And then it looked like a Wikipedia kind of copy paste stuff, <laughs> right. like right. original equipment manufacturer. And I just kind of started laughing. And of course, I was able to use that <laughs> to pitch somebody <laughs> within the company to, you know, tell them why they should... They should think about modifying that. But <laughs> are there any other tips that you'd like to give our audience today? I would. And it, it kind of follows from what we've just been talking about. If
1: you have a new writer, we are working with a new company or you bring someone in house that's new, um, do what you can to encourage that person and nurture them. That's something else that I've noticed um, is when a writer you know, feels that freedom and they feel the support of their collaborative team and the people that are going to be reviewing their pieces, the quality is better. They're more relaxed. They, um, you know, they tend to grow into the position. Um, sometimes I think we can be super critical of, of people, you know, when they write and for whatever reason, it's just (laughs) something that you can pick on. Oh, you said that wrong or, but, um, you know, it does, it does kind of weigh on someone after a while. And as much as you can be um, encouraging, it it really shows. And I I know that that maybe seems counterintuitive, you know, like, well, you know what, you want to get somebody in line right away, but it's it's better to help them along. Um, If you see someone with potential, and you really want them to continue, um, be as encouraging as you can. I mean, there are ways to give criticism without being you know (laughs) without insulting someone's personality (laughs) so um but definitely give them pointers for how to to make things better and you can't let something go out that's wrong so definitely correct it but just be encouraging you know um and it it will show i've seen that with people i've worked with um it it does help them to grow into the position and to produce that quality content that you need
0: Absolutely. So, do you want to give a quick plug for the DevPro Journal before we wrap it up today? Yeah, great. That would be great. Um,
1: we are an online magazine for um, ISVs and software developers, and we d- we have a little bit of information on the, ty- the types of tools you use and um, news from the industry. But our primary focus is to help you grow your business. Um, so we're always looking for new opportunities. Um, people that see new trends um, are willing to comment on that. Uh, ways to work more efficiently, um, you know, through the pandemic, you know, how to deal with a newly remote team, and now we're working on how to bring them back, transition people back, things of that nature. Um, we also have a lot of guidance for startups, and um, we occasionally get the story the great story about how someone succeeded and we share that as well so um check us out devprojournal.com and um hopefully you'll find something that can help you um, advance your business and um operate uh a little more how you know (laughs) you would be able to market a little better that's another topic that we include so um yeah, we'd, we'd love to have you um, visit the site and possibly sign up for the, the newsletter.
0: Super, yes. And of course, I've given some submissions to the DevPro Journal as well. So you can check out some of the, those submissions there and other resources on the MediaDev Library at MediaDev.com. So thanks again, Bernadette, for your time today. really appreciate it.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks so much.
0: You just listened to Simplified, brought to you by MediaDev. If you have software marketing questions or need help marketing your software solution, reach out to us at contact at mediadev.com and check out other amazing assets for you on our resource library at mediadev.com.